Hello, fellow recovering and active using addicts. This is Detox with the second episode of Adventures of a Preacher's Kid on Drugs. Here we go with the book, and this is the first chapter, and the title is The Keister Bunny Visits Crack Atlanta. During one of the three different times that I lived and worked in Atlanta, Georgia, me and my wife were smoking crack. I'd always heard rumors about this high-grade yellow crack they called butter. The blab in circulation was that it made you see stars. I'm from Texas and butter and was a butter virgin. We happened across some in the Atlanta ghetto. I bought all of it they had to sell for $1,000. We took it back to our hotel room and proceeded to go through the motions of burning the chore, breaking the tire gauge, blah, blah, blah. I put a $20 rock on the pop and took a mega blast. After exhaling, I understood the star theory because I was utterly spaced out. Meet me in outer space. We could spend the night. Incubus. Without thinking, I grabbed my wife's car keys and bolted out the door. I'm blown away and totally paranoid. As I take off driving, I'm thinking the cops are flying a helicopter over the hood of my car, trying to get me to pull over. As I'm looking up through the windshield trying to locate the helicopter, I'm totally messing up my wife's car. I'm running over mailboxes, curbs, and front lawns in the Virginia Highlands, a rich neighborhood in downtown Atlanta. The front hood is dented to hell and the windshield is broken. I have some butter in my hand. I start thinking, fuck it to myself, one more hit before they bust me. I steer the wheel with my knee as I take another huge hit. I blow out a Hiroshima-sized cloud. All of a sudden, not only is the Atlanta Police Department about to bust me, but the FBI, DEA, and Texas Rangers were all chasing after me. Not caring that the tire gauge I had just smoked from was still smoldering hot, I pull my pants down and stick it up my ass, attempting to hide it from all the invisible cops that were about to arrest me. The pipe was so hot that it made blisters inside my asshole. Not only that, but it doesn't fit all the way inside my bungalow and there's still a half inch sticking out. If I attempt to scent all the way down, it would run through my guts like a ditch witch directional bore. I drove around Atlanta aimlessly for another two hours before I finally came off the cloud I was on long enough to figure out how to get back to the hotel me and my wife were staying at. I don't want to come back down from this cloud, Bush. As I'm driving along, I notice a throbbing pain on my starfish, and then I realize that there's a tire gauge still stuck up my exhaust, exhaust pipe. I was skizzed out so bad that I had totally forgotten about it. I lift myself off the seat and yank it out. Defecation splatters everywhere. I wipe the ficus off the outside of the tire gauge and set it aside. I finally pull up outside the hotel room four hours after leaving. I grab the pipe and as I'm slamming the driver's side door, the front bumper actually falls off of my wife's car. I open the door to the hotel room and Lisa is jonesing. Lisa's my ex-wife, incidentally. Lisa, fuck, where in the fuck have you been, asshole? Do you still have the pipe? Jeff, sorry babe, that shit sent me to the moon. I'm so glad I made it back. Dang, my butt hurts. Lisa, what, what is it? Oh, nothing. Lisa, I've been holding on to this dope for hours with nothing to smoke it out of. Jeff, here's the pipe. Careful, that butter certified. She puts an enormous rock of butter on the end of the pipe and takes a hit. She blows out a monstrous white cloud of Lido. 
She's looking at me as her face turns sour. She turns and starts hauling ass for the toilet. She starts starts coughing and spitting and she's yelling at me. Ugh, Jeff, that tastes like shit. Jeff, that's because I just pulled it out of my starfish. I can be mean. I can be angry. You know I can be just like you, three days grace. She was so infuriated that she locked herself in the bathroom for the rest of the night. She was so pissed that she wouldn't even acknowledge my existence. That morning, as I'm drinking rubble bents for breakfast so that I could come down enough to go to work, I thought the storm had passed. Lisa goes outside to get something out of her car and sees the front bumper laying on the ground. The weekly forecast looked bad for me. Rain, rain, go away, come again some other day. I was up above it, and now I'm down in it. Nine inch nails. Okay, let's see what we got for the recovery discussion this week. Okay, I got this off YouTube. I don't know who whose program this is, but uh, it's pretty cool sounding. I'm liking it. I'm digging it. So, uh, if I can find the start of it here. Okay, it is. First, first of all, <clears throat> you have to uh, have two ways to create a healthy environment for yourself. Number one, surround yourself with love. In other words, you know, mom and dad, brothers and sisters, boyfriend or girlfriend, best friends, you know, anyone that love you and can be a good support system for for you. You stay away from toxic people. Two, you invest in healthy habits. You know, you can learn new hobbies, learn how to paint, learn how to play the violin or some kind of instrument, play tennis, sports, you know, start working out, learn a foreign language. You know, basically overcoming addictions in this program, it's you versus pleasure. You, awareness, pleasure, mind, slash, body. And the solution is to learn to observe your cravings from a third-person perspective. It's crazy. It says, when you experience physical and psychological cravings, step outside of yourself and notice yourself. Look at yourself like you're a monkey. First, notice yourself uh, physically. Increased heart rate, increased blood pressure, all that. And then psychologically, notice the negative thoughts that go through your brain. Okay, then without judging, you learn to see from a third-party perspective and just keep you look, looking at yourself like this lab monkey. Stay like this until the craving disappears. Don't move and keep observing this until the craving passes. It has been scientifically proven to work. It's extremely effective because you notice cravings as an external element to you. You'll stop identifying yourself with the physical and psychological dependence. And in this way, the cravings that cause your addiction will totally disappear. It's a fascinating process, but it requires a lot of attention. And remember not to fight or judge, just to observe the sensation. Now in this way, your psychological and physical anxiety will start to decrease. Extracting these cravings from your life will cause you to experience more freedom. Eventually, you can get to where you can manage your drug usage. Let me repeat that again, ladies and gentlemen. Eventually, you can get to where you can manage your drug usage. You can snort alone on the weekend and view it not as an addiction, but just to simply enjoy it. Your cravings have ceased to exist. Because you've mastered the third-party technique. Now, when you stop needing external stimulation, 
You can start focusing on what's really important to you and love in line with your purpose and values and whatnot with your family and friends. And you can still enjoy a joint, a beer, shot of heroin, you know, a couple of lower tabs, a benzo, give me a four bar, whatever. You can manage it. And you'll be able to do these things in moderation. Because the addiction your mind and body crave for has already been removed. I like the sound of this program. I've heard of the marijuana maintenance program, but I've never heard of the speed coke or heroin maintenance program. Well, there we go. That's the second episode, brothers and sisters, active addiction and to those in recovery as well. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with more Adventures of a Preacher's Kid on Drugs.